Grace and peace, everybody. Welcome to part two of the interview that uh, we conducted uh, with uh, Pastor Mario Bolivar from uh, First Presbyterian Church of Eustace in Florida. Uh, Pastor Mario has been doing some really cool things with technology in a traditional setting. And we uh, had a great conversation about the future of the church. What does the church look like after the corona crisis? And today we're going to pick up that conversation as we begin talking a little bit more about the future and what that future may look like. Welcome to the Pastor Cast. So the thing is, though, and this is all, all of these things that we're talking about are surrounding one really interesting idea, right? So we're talking about virtual connections. We're talking about buildings. We're talking about uh, technology and video and the use of all these things. And, and the talking, people, I'm going to connect my computer before it dies. You know, oh, so no worries, man. <laughs> it does have to be closed. It does have to be plugged in. But, you know, the thing that, that I've been thinking about and I've been in conversations with, with uh, some of my colleagues about as well is that, you know, so you're right. There's going to come a time when we're going to gather again, right? Um, in our context, you know, we're waiting until we can all safely gather together um, just yes. because that's, that's the way we are. Um, no need to rush. No. No and need so, to rush. So we're, but th that day will come. And you know what? On that day, the day that we're all able to be there, it's going to be like Easter, right? We're going to have a big celebration. Everybody's going to show up. Well, Maybe. it might, but I mean, it'll be I'll a say, celebration. I will say this, this is why. Because if we're going to, as an organization, if we're going to, follow the protocol under the federal and state guidelines, we're going to go back progressively. It's sure. going to be 10, 50, Absolutely. 75, 100. But I'm, I'm talking about the day when all that stuff is lifted, right? That gotcha. day. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So on that day, it's going to be a, a party. And maybe the next Sunday, you might have really good attendance. And then guess what? All the people. <laughs> the normal sitting, people. They were The people that were like, that, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people say, you know, man, remember when we used to uh, sleep in and we'd wake oh, up? Oh, it's 9.15. Worship starts <laughs> in 10 minutes. Okay, I'll start the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And see, I, I started talking about that to people and they're like, yeah. Well, anyway, one of my church members, uh, I saw her because I did a funeral and it was a socially distant funeral. It was very odd. Everybody in masks. It was, it was very strange. There's only like 20 people there. Um. But at the funeral, one of my church members was there and I was talking to her about this. And she said, you know, I'm so grateful that we're doing this and you guys are doing more to make the online thing a thing because I haven't been able to get my kids and my husband to go to church. And so what ends up happening is I don't wow. go. And now we're all gathering in front of the TV every Sunday. And we're watching because we get up late and we don't have to worry about being late. We don't have to worry about getting dressed. I mean, it was just like, I mean, I know it was only one person, <laughs> but I was like vindicated, you know? Um, but I mean, I think, I don't know what you think about that, but I think there's, so it's not just, there's going to be the same people that want to come back and that want to come and be in person. They're going to come back, you know? Um, the 50% of your congregation, but the other 50? Maybe? The session, our session made the decision to suspend public worship on March 12th. Mm -hmm. March 13 was the first time I had to rush to the church, make the video, thinking about tweaking things. That very day, 
I heard so many of my friends. And if you're anything like me, out of the thousand friends that you have on Facebook, probably 200 of them are ministers. Right. And, and I could hear everyone preaching and everyone takes and everyone enjoying the preaching. And it was a epiphany. It's like, I didn't see any political posts. I didn't see anybody complaining. I saw was minister preaching, women preaching, friends preaching, ruling elders preaching because the minister was on vacation. You know, I saw that everywhere. And I'm right. like, wow, this is truly an epiphany of what if we would always do this rather than just doing it because as a backup, because we're forced, what if we truly will take the time? You know, and somebody says, well, it's so easy for you to say because you always make them. And it's like, well, dude, don't you see how important it is that we can reach out to people no matter what? What time is your worship services? 9.30. Used to, used to. Yeah, well, that's, that's still what we do. We still, we still roll at 9.30 a.m. at the time okay. that we would have. Um, but, you know, what will happen is that we'll have, so I don't know, like, so the same thing that you experienced, uh, what we discovered was we, we have anywhere from 220 to 300 people that'll be watching at a particular time. Um, and so we, you know, you know that they're, they're gathering as families, right? So there's like four, three, four people. Plus, you know, we have the viewers, the unique viewers that you were talking about. We've been tracking mm -hmm. those. Um, and I mean, like on any given Sunday, we've got, you know, 1,500 to 1,700 unique viewers. There is no way that I would ever be able to reach that many people on a Sunday because I've got a church of about 700 people, about half of them come to church on any given Sunday, um, maybe a little more um, at two worship services. And, you know, this is the, the reach has just gotten insane. Now, it doesn't mean that it's a substitute. Okay, that this is where we're gonna we're gonna become online only, but it yeah. does mean that you we don't want to, to. We don't want gotta, to. But you got to pay attention to the quality, the production. I mean, that's something that we're entering into right now. Is we're gonna be spending some money on investing cameras. You're gonna be investing. Oh yeah, heck that's yeah. the trick, man. Yeah. No, you were preaching to me last Wednesday at 11 p.m. What were you doing on Wednesday 11 p.m. last Wednesday? You don't even uh, remember, probably. I was sleeping, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like an old man. No, I was done. <laughs> but I was, I was watching your sermon on eleven at eleven p.m. on Wednesday. Yeah, you were not watching. You were sleeping, or you were doing something else. And here I was. You know, I'm not gonna say. I was in the bathroom, but maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, it doesn't matter. But I was watching and your sermon was preaching to me. You know how often you're going to have people watching sermons like that, where the church is truly open 24-7 and where truly everyone is welcome? Yep. Buildings are important, just like our homes. But now we get to preach people and now a year from now two years from now three years from now facebook is going to remind you of a sermon that you preached during COVID 19 mm -hmm. that is going to empower you 
to propel you because you're facing something else equally or of more danger. Because right. this is also not the first time that this is going to happen. Oh, no. Huh? Yeah. So we are going to continue using these clips and these sermons because right now the materials are coming out of our minds, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right. are radically changing the church and adapting the church into the next thing. One of the many things that is not lost on us as we're having these conversations is the fact that some of these things have happened before, that there have been disruptions. There have been moments where the church was thrust into the future in just a matter of moments, it seems like. And so that's where our conversation led us next, as Pastor Mario started to talk about something that happened in the very first days of the church in the Acts of the Apostles. I mean, this is what happened in the book of Acts. It was persecution that propelled the church into the future. It was that. Now this is happening to us. And rather than us complaining and being inflicted about all these things, what is has to change. I mean, look at Paul. Look oh, at yeah. Paul. God needed a Roman citizen to propel the gospel everywhere without any problems. Yeah. I mean, this, and, is, this is the good stuff. Well, and, and as you were talking about the, um, you know, the church kind of being propelled through, you know, the crisis and, you know, book of acts and all that and how it grew. I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, cause we've, we've been talking for a while about how we've been in a reformation, you know, like, how do you know whether you're in a reformation or not when you're in it? You know, it's like, you know, fish <laughs> and water, like you're, it's just your reality. So, um, but I was, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, dad gummit. Um, if you look back at the reformation, you had plagues, um, you know, there was crisis and plagues. It was crisis and war. The Muslims were at the gates of Vienna, uh, you know, the, you know, kind of moving all the way up into the Western world. And uh, there was all the, you know, so there was that strife between East and West. Uh, then you've got a Luther who, come, who steps into this and who takes advantage of the, the burgeoning technology to begin, you know, disseminating. Paper, writing, that's technology right there. Printing, printing press, the power of the press. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting moment that we're living in as we're trying to figure all these things out. But the one thing that I think we can all agree on is that at least that's what I'm hoping that we can all agree on is that nothing is going to be the same after this. As we begin to have further conversations about all of the things that are going to change, one of the topics that really piqued our interest was the topic of giving. How do people support the church in this new world, in this new era that we're going to be stepping into? And that's where our conversation led next. How we pay attention to our giving, how people participate, obviously, my church and most any other church, no matter how big or how small you are, you have been affected in giving. People are considering sure. their resources. Yep. There, are, there are people who are being very generous through this moment. And there's people that are holding back. And we are also thankful for all of them. We are the ones, the ones that are continuing contributing, the ones that are considering, the ones that cannot. We are always praying for all of them. We love them all the same. 
But given how we measure, given how we measure attendance, and here's what I want to stress something important I've been thinking. We need to reconsider what victory is going to look like for the church mm. now, not in the future, what victory looks like right now. If you are able to identify what a victory is in your local church, then you can have that as a target. If mm. your victory is increasing the sharing of the gospel by your viewers, we'll target that. If right. you're if your goal is something else, how do we practice mission and generosity through moments like this? Right. Well, learn and target that. Here is a moment where we cannot continue just doing whatever as a church because it's the easiest thing. Yeah. We need to be having a clear goal of what a victory looks like. You know. Well, and I think this is something that um, <clears throat> I was I was having a conversation with one of our pastoral interns recently, and um, and one of the things that they were talking about is in with within the context that they came from, so the church that they sort of came from, the the leaders, the pastors of the church never talked about giving. They never talked about it. They always deferred it over to the elder or whoever was in charge of the stewardship committee, and this mm -hmm. is the way that it's always been done, right? Yeah. Um, but the you know that's something that i never ascribed to you know and and i think all growing churches that i that i can you can point to any church that's thriving and growing or at least is vibrant i think a vibrant kind of church that's a good word the pastors are are talking about money they're not afraid to talk about it they're not afraid to say this is important to give um and i think that this is something else in terms of giving so not only do you have to find ways to transition people out of the normal old school ways of giving um, but you know, you have to also, uh, be able to talk about that stuff. So a lot of pastors who've been ignoring it or who have thought that it was unseemly for them to talk about, you know, giving and money on Sunday morning. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that's yeah. kind of, you know, that, that's you an know, old seminary thing that they kind of, you know, they, they, you know, they always made it where it was like, you couldn't, you couldn't do any of those things because you were, you know, you were the spiritual leader. Let the, let the elders and the lay leaders handle all that that stuff. And I'm like, dude, it is too important <laughs> to not have a conversation about that. And I think this is something going forward that pastors are going to have to do. Uh, if they're going to be addressing it and talk constantly. If you don't, there are other areas that are not afraid of doing what you might be afraid, whatever hospital, whatever school, whatever mission in your yep. area, whatever you are not doing, someone else is doing. And it's not that we are in competition, but in a way, we are after the same resources and we need to capture as an important message. Now, I will say not everything has to be about that. Yeah, yeah. we need to give participation to others, to the elders, to the deacons. Oh, absolutely, and absolutely. Yeah, but the minister, for not to mention that, that would be a mistake. You have the That's language and you have the biggest you know, uh, megaphone in right. the room. You know, we have elders who speak in our church. Okay, people listen. When I talk, not only do I listen because you have this weird guy with a weird accent that was really loud talking. No, you also have the pastor who we chosen to be our liaison between our struggles and what the promises of God's are. Right. A way you need to help them call, uh, 
cohabit with these things. You need to have them understand these things. Right. How does your church use um, the giving envelopes? Okay. How are you given? How you can give? You know, right now, one of the things that we want to do is to find new ways of giving directly mm -hmm. or indirectly. And again, I don't, I don't speak from the point of knowing everything. I speak from, a, from the point of I'm willing to pay attention to where else can I go to learn. And I mm -hmm. think that that's what we have failed as a church. Sometimes we grow content with what we're doing and then we're happy and then we get into a structure and then that's it. And if there's anything I have learned, I'm not, I'm not Presbyterian at heart, but I dwell in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit moves in ways that we cannot understand or comprehend until later right. when he is being shown to us. One of the many things that I believe that the church is going to have to change going forward is that the church is going to have to learn how to be nimble, how to have some dexterity, to be able to shift quickly and to be able to pivot when it needs to. Uh, and sometimes the structures that we've had in place for centuries can keep us from doing that. And so those things need to be transformed. That's where the conversation with Mario shifted is towards adaptability. We have to be able to be adaptable as a church. And what we know, sometimes the book of order, sometimes our decency and order has getting in the way for us to not be adaptable enough to the needs of our congregations, whether it's building, whether it's connections. I mean, being adaptable in all these areas that we have talked is what will get us there. This is the thing going forward that churches, if they don't figure this out, if they're not able to be nimble and be able mm -hmm. to turn yes. quickly, yes. they're going to get caught flat footed. Um, Absolutely. You know, we are still coming into a curve and I'm a, I'm a baseball fan. You cannot hit a curveball when it's breaking. You have to hit it on the top or when it's already done breaking. And we are, the ball is still breaking. This yep. is the first thing. We no longer need to or should be able to be caught off guard when we need to move from public worship anymore. Right. We need to be learning and adapting and taking the necessary steps now, even if they are painful for us to overcome that. And we are gonna have a lot of people in our congregations who want it one way and not any other way. And mm -hmm. it's gonna be an uphill struggle between brothers and sisters in the faith that want to be faithful. We need to be able to move and roll with what is in front of us. That is how the church continues to be effective for this day and age. Um, it is, yeah. And, and I think to be able to recognize like some of the things that, um, that I think are super important is being able to recognize a, a shift to anticipate what it is that you need to do to step into that and to be able to respond to it quickly 
um, you know, organizationally, man, within the PCUSA structure, that is almost impossible sometimes. Um, you know, so I think that what, you know, what churches that have those kinds of structures that are very uh, methodic in the way that they approach problem solving um, are going to have to figure out uh, a different way to problem solve, you know. Um, it doesn't mean that you just jump and uh, and then you know ask questions later. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's it means that you're you know you're able to quickly process things and and you know you're able to kind of move forward um, as a team. And so that's something that I think you know we've got to start really yeah. you know, working. And and what that means, okay, so this kind of bleeds into the the last thing. So what that means is there's an element of trust there that you have to be able to trust one another and to trust the fact that these, that, you know, Hey, I'm going to be empowering these people to make decisions and to, um, you know, and to move and to, to uh, be creative. And so one of the things that you mentioned earlier, I think when we were having a conversation before this was about people assuming the responsibility for their, uh, their own spiritual growth. Um, you know, so technology is, has given you the opportunity to provide them with those resources and those tools. But at some point, you know, the, the whole destination mentality that people have with the church, like go to the church, the church is the destination. This is where yeah. I get my instruction. It, it, it doesn't come from an isolated thought. It comes from, um, from a sermon series that we're doing. Uh, and I'm doing a lot of research on God's promises. Mm -hmm. We're talking about God's promises between now until the day that we're able to have public worship again. Yeah. How many promises are? Well, I've heard that there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. I never count them, but I <laughs> promise if I have 3,000 uh, Sundays, I'm going to count them all. And I, I started doing a study on Ephesians 4. And in there on the verse... Um, right here where it says verse 11, Ephesians 4, verse 11, the gifts we have where that some will be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some, some teachers. Here, it doesn't say that your church is going to have one pastor or two pastors, but that you will have the necessary gifts, you know, for you to continue to be successful in what the God commission is. Your church has how many ordained pastors? Two? Two, yeah. Two, right now? Okay, so what this is saying is that while my church only has one ordained pastors, there are many different other types of pastors. And we need to yeah. pastor ourselves. We need to prophesy to our community. We need to have teachers. That means that we all need to take ownership of our education, responsibility, which we have often given to the church as an organization. Oh, this abdicate, is a abdicated it. Yeah. yeah and abdicated it. God is saying, wake up, people, because what if it doesn't happen? Right, you know, exactly. We, we, look, we look at structures, and sometimes the structures give us freedom. Sometimes they give us stumbling block. And we want the pastor to resolve all the theological questions. But God is calling us each other to study and to answer and to be responsible for what we're teaching and what we're doing. Now, the church should be equipping all of them together. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So this is where I will say the church ought to be equipping their members to teach. 
rather than just receiving. And you can see that in Ephesians and Philippians, where yeah. the Apostle Paul is encouraging one another, despite our differences, despite our circumstances, to continue strong in our faith. And this, this is an exciting because I'm telling you, man, there are many pastors and members in the church who are showing their true colors. Yeah. This is a wake up for them to say, what are you doing? Let's get better. The time to improve now. And I'm, I will never recommend that people simply do something because others are doing it. Right. What do you want? What is the spirit of God encouraging you to do and challenge you local church? That's why the Presbyterian church has that structure. We are Absolutely. united, but then you have powers in the local church. What does it make sense in the culture of your church? What do you see from the balcony? What do you see from the outside looking in? Who, who or what are your vision and your goals? Those are the things that we need to be thinking now. Before we go into talking about opening the church again and trying to regain the strength that we used to have, we need to be talking about how this, is, this has changes and how we're not going to go back. Because what we were doing was not perfect either. We need to continue seeking and trying. What is it? What I love when you say stumbling after Christ. Right. I love that because that's what I do every day. I get oh, it yeah. wrong. I get it right. And I stumble and I get up. And let's Keep go. On. Let's go. Yeah. You mentioned something about you. You mentioned the view from the balcony and that uh, the concept of adaptive leadership. I kind of connect that with that because uh, that's a, uh, um, but you know, that's something that I've actually been encouraged by, you know, the, the, our denomination. So we're, we're part of the Presbyterian church USA. So one of the things that I've been encouraged by is the fact that they're willing then I think to, to adapt to a certain extent now that it's been forced upon them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're going to have an all online general assembly, which is going to cost probably, oh, I don't know, three to four to five million dollars less than what it would have if they had done it, you know, live and in person. And what I will, you know, even though it's not a substitute for in person sort of stuff, um, you know, there's a reason for that. You know, um, yeah. you know, there, there's there's things to be learned from all these kinds of things as you're able to kind of make these shifts. And I, I so I've been encouraged and you're right. I love the fact that there's a, an umbrella big enough within what we're part of uh, for us to be able to kind of do our thing, you know, and uh, there's freedom for that. <clears throat> but I do believe that this whole concept of trying to figure out how to, um, how to put the, 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 the tools and the resources in the hands of the people so that they can begin to take some ownership of their spiritual growth. Um, and this is stuff that you're doing um, this is stuff that, you know, that I'm constantly working on. Um, yeah. I, do, we, I have, we talked have to, to, we have to try to always improve. Yep. We, I'm not white, uh, white knuckling, which is a, is a great visual. I'm not doing this in hope that when are we going to go back? No, no, I am actually paying attention. Ooh, where I, oh, I've never seen that store there. Oh, look at these people. Hey, you have been coming. How about you come and join us? This is, right. we are, if we are to be a faithful body of Christ, we need to be paying attention to everything that is on our, around us and pay attention to everything that can be of help to us. You know, um, 
technology is just a tool. That's it. But if you don't pick it up and you, you don't start learning with the baby things, you're just going to forget the whole thing in the, in the future. Obviously, yeah. you know, it comes with its dangers, uh, too much technology, too much spending, you know, uh, knowing your limits. I think that that's a part of the conversation with our body of decision makers. Uh-huh. Where I will say one person, there's always more wisdom within the body than in one element of the body. There's always more wisdom in the body. And sadly, sometimes the body needs to follow the head. You know, if you're wrestling, if somebody moves your head, your whole body moves, follows the head. That's true. So we need to, if, if you are a minister and you're hearing this, don't hear me telling you what to do. I want you to really be empowered by what is your desire to do for your church. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you cannot simply go back before COVID-19 because nothing is going to be the same. Now, if you're a member of the church, I will say love, encourage, and be willing to work with your minister. There's a lot of things to do and a lot of things to learn. And uh, I took this invitation not only because I have something to say, because of two reasons. The first one is energize me to have conversation with other ministers who challenge me. The second one is you don't know how God blesses you and how you continue to learn from one another. So I hope that if this taught you anything, it's for you to continue moving forward. Again, my resources... Your resources might be different, yet we can all do something to continue to improve. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, man. This was super yeah. awesome, and it was so great. It's Thank so you. full of stuff. Uh, yes. And we'll, we'll, there'll be a couple of podcasts out of this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thanks, imagine. brother. I appreciate yeah. it. Hey, you, you get me, you get talk, man. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you to Pastor Mario Bolivar of First Presbyterian Church of Eustis, Florida, for that awesome interview. The second part uh, was full of all kinds of awesomeness. I hope you guys enjoyed that, Uh, getting a little bit of a glimpse into the mind of uh, somebody who's kind of uh, doing some interesting things and using technology in a traditional kind of setting. And uh, just having that conversation was really uh, invigorating for me, too. So uh, we're going to continue these podcasts. I'm going to have another interview with uh, a colleague of mine uh, who's on the other side of uh, uh, parish ministry to a certain extent, uh, an honorably retired uh, Reverend Dr. Steve Halsey, who was a pastor in the presbytery that I served in uh, in Central Florida and retired, uh, but then started working again uh, and uh, serving a church. Uh, and so he's been thinking a lot about these things as well. And so we're going to have a great conversation, I'm sure, and we'll have those podcasts up uh, and there'll be more in this series, I'm sure. Well, I hope you've enjoyed these and uh, we will talk to you very soon. Thanks for joining us on the PastorCast.